Welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. As we continue our journey of holistic transformation in New Brunswick and Highland Park, we have arrived at the penultimate installment of our series Everyday God. Today's conversation will be led by speaker Yukon Chu. We are going to continue on now with our time uh, engaging the spiritual journey, the spiritual life, through a time of discussion and conversation uh, in the teachings of Jesus. We do this every Sunday because we believe that as we look to grow and thrive in our spiritual journey, we do need a guide. We need some help. Uh, It's something we can't just figure out ourselves. And while there are many different truth options and spiritual options out there, and many are good, many are very helpful, we believe here at Ethnos that there's something unique about Jesus. There's something unique about his teaching. There's something unique about who he was, the life he lived, that warrants our attention and warrants our focus. And so uh, every Sunday, we take a moment to look at the scriptures and the teachings of Jesus. Uh, If you don't personally subscribe to them yet, if you're still kind of exploring yourself, we invite you to bring your thoughts and ideas to the table and feel free to share your perspectives. Um, As usual, uh, we want to get started with a question that will tie into the bigger theme that we're in this summer. And today's question to get our minds going is a question that, um, well, like, like other weeks, is a question that hits home. It's kind of personal. Uh, it's, it's something that may cause you to be a little uncomfortable, but I think it's a question uh, we need to dive into as we wrap up our summer series called Everyday God. And so can we get the question up on the screen? Um, here's a question. It, it's, it's somewhat, again, uh, metaphysical maybe, or just you know, a little abstract. But when was the last time... You had to let go of a person or a plan that you loved. When was the last time you had to let go of a person or a plan that you loved? Maybe you moved into our city uh, for a relationship and that relationship wasn't working out and you had to let go. Maybe you've been in our city for some time and you've had dreams in our city, the plans to do something and things, you know, for whatever reason, you've had to let go. How was that process? How did it feel? Why don't you turn to your neighbors and for the next two minutes, just process this question with us as we get started. Who wants to uh, share with us this morning? what this question is kind of bringing to mind. What are some things that come to mind when you think about, man, I've had to let go of this, or this has not worked out, and now who'd, who'd be interested in sharing? This is a little more personal, I realize. Yeah, okay, yeah, over here, we'll get started. Thanks, Deborah. yeah. Well, it's a family member. Um, I kind of had to let them go because I would help them do things, like doctor's appointments and this and that, but they, always keep, keep keeps me stressed out. So I had a, you know, gradually through 20 years, let them go. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Let's give it up for Deborah. I think, Deborah, some of us can definitely understand that. How many of us would say, yeah, we've had to maybe let go of a family member and just kind of our relationship with them or trying to control a situation? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, who else? What else? Yeah. Get over here. <laughs> 
So I um, had to let go of a lot of my ambitious plans in life. And um, I had, uh, one of them was, um, my, my goal was to revolutionize um, the way pharmacy worked. And um, I was on, I thought I was on the way to do that. And God called me to drop it and do something different, which was not a bad thing, but I, I almost always had to, um, had this brilliant idea that is working so far in the interim. And then God's like, pivot. And then another pivot, another pivot. And then I, I'm here now. So I've pivoted a lot. And uh, it's difficult, but the moment I learned to let go, because it's an art and a, you know, a uh, character building, I actually am able to lean in more into the person and the, the calling that God has for me. Thanks. Let's give it up for Kristen. Thank you. Yeah. What else? What are some things we've had to uh, let go Man, I feel like everyone's in the back today, too. Look at all these empty seats. I, feel, I guess I have to let go of people sitting up front today. That's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, anybody else? No, we're good? Okay. Uh, I, think, I think what uh, has been shared so far by Deborah and Christine, thank you again for sharing, are, are definitely things that many of us have experienced. Uh, we've had to, for some of us, let go of relationships, uh, not just relationships maybe that uh, of a romantic sort or what have you, although sometimes many of us think about those kind of relationships you have to let go, but relationships we, where, where there, we've cared for uh, people deeply. Uh, if some of you, uh, you've had perhaps uh, relationships in your family systems where someone's in need and there's perhaps some, some, some brokenness involved, and, and you know every family member is trying to help this person out, but they, for whatever reason, can't receive the help. And and you know at a certain point, you you have to let go and have boundaries and, and relationships, and and it's difficult. It can be challenging. Uh, others of us, like Christine, again, have had to let go of certain dreams and and ideas, things we even thought we maybe got from God if we believe in God, and like God, surely you meant for this to happen. Why? Why, do it, why does it seem like you're working against me? Why, why is this not working out? Why do I have to let this go? You know, as we've been exploring in our summer series and walking with uh, this man named Abraham and his wife, Sarah, uh, we have journeyed in, in this scripture of Jesus now uh, for almost 35 years. I mean, we haven't done that. Uh, but in our summer series, for the, for the two, three months we've been engaged with this portion of Scripture, we've followed these two characters for 35 years of their spiritual journey. And we have seen some really interesting ups and downs in their everyday journey with God. Today, we come to the second-to-last story, the second-to-last event that we see in their life, and this is now 35 years in. This is uh, now deep into their exploration of who God is, deep into their uh, open, opening up of God in their lives. And as we look at this second to last story, we get a, honestly, a strange, perhaps even uncomfortable picture that on one hand may frustrate us or scare us even of the way spirituality can work. And yet on the other hand, it has the potential to comfort us and help us to continue to press into 
the theme of our series this summer, how do you and I have an everyday encounter, an everyday relationship with the God who is there, the God who cares? Let's take a look at our scripture. Um, it's on your desks here. And I just want to warn us, as we jump into this, again, some of you have been with us through the summer, so you know that this is an ancient story. It's over 2,500 years old, so it's very confusing at times. Things are happening that are pre-modern uh, that we may not under understand, so we need to take some time to understand this ancient story. And, and I should note that many of us have been aware, too, that just because we read it in the scriptures of Jesus doesn't mean we just do what is being described, right? Oftentimes, this is a descriptive story and not a prescriptive story, okay? It's describing something that happens that we need to learn from, but it's not telling us what to do, like directly, okay? Today's story is definitely descriptive, okay? So just, just be forewarned because you're going to, some of you, the, the, there could be some some trauma issues, honestly, that kind of come up, and I will address that as they come up, all right? And so sometime later, as the story goes, again, this is near the end of this man's journey with God and Abraham. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. On a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and they will, then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught up by the horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. 
The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Now, if this is your first time reading the scriptures of Jesus, if you've never read this story before or never really encountered the scriptures of Jesus, you should be disturbed. Uh, You have every right to be disturbed because this is not a very positive story. This is not a very encouraging story if you're trying to figure God out. I mean, some of us in this room are on a journey still trying to believe in God, still trying to accept the fact there may be a God and believe in the God that Jesus believes in. But man, reading this story, you may be thinking, you know what, I, I am glad I have not believed in God yet. Because this is a disturbing, disturbing story. Now, there are ways we could understand this story that maybe might help us embrace the God that's being described. For example, it should be noted that at the beginning of the story, in the first sentence, that this is meant to be a quote-unquote test. You notice that the word test is used there. And whenever God tests somebody, at least in the scriptures of Jesus, God doesn't test somebody to fail somebody. You know, some of us, we grow up in environments or we have a boss who tests us to fail us. The God of the scriptures of Jesus isn't that kind of person. He tests us to strengthen us. He tests us to make us stronger. You, you've had those people too in your life. They, they're testing you to encourage you to know that you have it in you to be the person you have to be. That's the way God tests people. And so we could look at that word and be like, okay, so maybe this is meant to be a little bit more positive. We could also look at the fact that in the rest of the scriptures of Jesus, it is clear that God is against abuse of any kind, especially against children, and definitely God is against child sacrifice. Child sacrifice, in in fact, in this ancient Near East culture some 2,500 years ago, was a common practice. In fact, in the other scriptures of Jesus, it clearly states that God is against child sacrifice. And so some scholars think this is a story actually to just reinforce how God is against child sacrifice. Because clearly God stops Abraham from killing his son. Yet at the same time, if we're honest with ourselves, it, it still doesn't sit very easy, does it? I mean, you still have a God who... Sure that he's testing this person, and and sure he's against child sacrifice, but my goodness, this God is pushing the limits. This God is going to the boundary of what seems to be rational or acceptable. What is this God doing? I'd like for you to turn to your neighbors right now and ask each other that question and try to process, what is God trying to do here? What is he trying to do? Take about two minutes, just kind of wrestle with this story, and we'll continue the conversation. (laughs) 
wants to share a little bit what they're processing. What do, what do you think God is trying to do here in this story? Anybody want to share your initial reflections and thoughts? Don't be afraid. Most of the could be a touchy subject or a touchy question. Yeah? Reggie? Uh, I think basically God's basically like asking Abraham, like, do you trust me? Like, I think it's a, it's a trust thing. Um, I don't know. Personally, I think there's a lot of easier ways to, you know, allow me to trust you. But I think the biggest thing is, like, yeah, like, like, yeah do, you, do you trust me? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Now, let's give it up for Reggie. Yeah, I, 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 I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, this is probably about trust. And, yeah, there's, my goodness, there's got to be easier ways to do this, but apparently not. Uh, what else? What else are we thinking? What else are we processing? Yeah. Uh, our table, we talked about... Um, it's prioritizing. God asked, well, he told him to do something. And Abraham prioritized, is God first or who's first in my life? Mm -hmm. So that was about prioritizing. And then it's faith. Yeah. He just did not bargain, did not, you know, try to ask God, can, can I just take something else, you know? Mm -hmm. He just went. He packed and left. Yeah. So just did it. No, that's great. I like the words you, you're using there, your table, this issue of prioritizing and this issue of faith. And there definitely is something about love and what, who or what Abraham loves, right? Because as the angel talks to Abraham, he's like, I need you to sacrifice your beloved son, your only son, the one you love, Isaac, you know? And there's this real emphasis that seems to point out this test, again, that God is giving uh, Abraham. Uh, anybody else? What is God doing? Yeah. Back to Christine. Yeah. I also think um, God was training Abraham to have the capability and the capacity to give up what's good so he can get what's great. Yes. So in that process, the fulfillment of the promise is, is coming to pass. Because if Abraham couldn't do that, yep. the Lord couldn't open up the, the gates to have the promise of having descendants of as, as many as the stars. Yep. Yeah. Great. Let's give it up for Christine. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So it's a fascinating story. And it, again, it's we need to realize it's the last story, or second to last story, in this epic 35-year journey that the, this couple has been on. And if you remember at the beginning of the journey, some 35 years prior to this, God meets Abraham. Abraham, at that time, was not a God follower. In fact, based on what we know culturally, he was a moon worshiper. Uh, he was just kind of following the stars, an astrologist perhaps, and God meets him in the midst of that and says, you know what, I want you to follow me. And not only that, I have a plan to bless the world through you, through your specific descendants. And so this journey, this story began of how God began to work in this person's life. But part of the problem, of course, was that Abraham and his wife were barren. They couldn't have kids. And so it was strange that God promised to use Abraham in this way. And for a long time in the story, they were childless and, and there was an issue of trust and belief in God. Was God were God's promises true? 
Well, last week, if you remember, we finally get to that story where God gives them a child. And all of a sudden, this week, in this week's story, God's like, wait, hold on. I need you to surrender the child to me. Now, it's interesting, right, that God actually often does this, not, again, because he's mean, but because he's wanting to test us. He's wanting to strengthen us to make sure we are in line with the plans that he has, the good plans that he has. And I like what you were saying, Christine, because what ends up happening in the story as you read through it, right, is that as Abraham says, yes, I, even though this is a gift from you, even though this, I know this is like a promise from you. You promised me a child. You promised to use this child, all these things. But wait, why are you asking me to surrender again? Like, what's going on? Well, we know that part of this, right, is, again, God wanting to reinforce with Abraham that actually I'm the most precious thing for you, that this is actually still my plan, not your plan. Don't take it in your hands. Keep trusting me, so keep surrendering. And we, we know this is happening, that God ultimately wants to just strengthen Abraham and reaffirm his plan, because as Abraham does this, right, did you catch the second to last paragraph? There, God again swears by himself. Notice the phrasing, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that surely I will bless you. Now, it's funny that God has to do that, or that God chooses to do that, because God already told them 35 years ago that I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. It's going to happen. But after Abraham goes through this quote-unquote quote unquote, test, God makes that promise even stronger or he emphasizes it in a slightly different way to say yes you indeed I swear you will be blessed it's kind of like actually the people who are going to be getting baptized uh, next Sunday Uh, if you've ever been baptized uh, you may remember this but if you haven't this is kind of the process I think many people who get baptized go through often they are ready and eager to follow Jesus. They've met God through Jesus. They already have a relationship going. And so it's not like God doesn't love them because they they haven't been baptized or that somehow they're missing out on God. But there's a sense that, you know what, because Jesus invites us to be baptized, that is somehow going to strengthen me, confirm me, make me somehow stronger, make me into the person I know I need to be as I try to follow Jesus. And many times, that's what baptism indeed does. It doesn't somehow give them more of God because they've already surrendered to God, but it confirms, it strengthens, it affirms what God has in store. Now, this, of course, doesn't just happen with these grand spiritual things. It happens perhaps at our workplaces. It happens with our relationships. Like Christine, perhaps you, maybe you have had an idea of like, God made me to do this. I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm gifted to do this. But you've run into a kind of moment in time where you're like, man, nothing's working out. And you sense in you that God is saying, yeah, it's not working out because you're actually trying to control it. And you need to surrender again. And trust me, trust me that this was my plan in the first place anyway. Trust me that I was the one who was going to work it out anyway. You just need to keep surrendering. Don't take it for yourself. 
keep surrendering, keep surrendering. I think about the, the relevance of the story when it comes to relationships. The first time this story actually hit me when I was trying to follow God was uh, when I was around uh, 18, actually. And it was the first time I met my wife, my now wife. So it was a while ago. Uh, we just celebrated our 18th anniversary. We've known each other for 25 years. So this was, this was a while ago. And um, I remember one of those moments, right? Because I felt like when I met my wife, uh, I felt like she was a gift. I felt like she was somebody that was meant for me. Like at that time, I already knew I was going to do what I do now, help people in their spiritual journeys, create spiritual communities in the name of Jesus, all those kind of things. And uh, not a lot, that's not very attractive, like in the dating scene, right? Like, like <laughs> I mean, it's, a, you know, I kind of have one requirement. Like, yes, this is what I'm doing with my life. So I don't know, do you want to date me or not, right? And so it's very simple. Um, and she was open to that. And so, so I felt like, oh, this is pretty awesome. And she was obviously, she's obviously an amazing person. Um, but at a certain point, as we were kind of get, getting started in our relationship, I remember God telling me, hey, Yukon, yeah, she's wonderful. This is a good thing. But are you willing to really let her go still to me? Like you've tried to let go and surrender this part of your, your life to me in general, this romance part, this like companionship part. But will you continue to surrender that to me? even as this amazing person comes into your life? I think that's what happened to Abraham. Isaac, the son he was waiting for, the son he was promised, will you continue to surrender him to me? Even as, yeah, he is the one you're supposed to have. Now again, the reason why God does this to Abraham and the reason why I think he does it to us as well. It's because God is in the business of blessing us. He tests us not to fail us, but he tests us to strengthen us, to affirm his calling, his blessing in our lives. And so where might you be this morning? As you think about your spiritual journey, your interactions with God, your sense that God perhaps is pointing some things out in your life that you need to surrender. Maybe you're like Abraham in his earlier days. He was very fearful of those times. He didn't want to surrender. In fact, there are plenty of stories we read this summer where he kind of turned away and said, you know what, thanks, but no thanks, God, I'm going to do it my way. Or perhaps you're sensing this invitation from God this morning to be like this more mature Abraham. To actually surrender and let go and to keep trusting God. 